Hello and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wabo's most rowdy work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are, as per usual, coming at you live in the Discord. Pew, pew, pew. So if you want some of that hot, fresh Discord action, you got to <laughs> go to doofmedia.com slash Discord and that's where you'll find more information. Yeah, if you're not on the Discord, you're missing out on great tattoo care chat and stuff mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. you know, top tier emergency level content yep and silly silly memes <laughs> now we're here to talk about two chapters elliot wild band and 18c which is with big ted and 18 gosh i've lost count 18 eight, eight that's it Ooh. um so 18c we're with papa ted as uh he is preparing for a vacation, juggling a minor argument with his wife, rowdy kids, packing things, and all kinds of uh, shenanigans. But it looks set to be a fun family vacay. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, I, you call him Big Ted. Is mm-hmm. play school <laughs> is an play Australian school? thing? Like, is that going to yeah. make sense to that anyone, that joke? Because yeah. I liked it. But Yeah, I thought it was good. Thanks. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like we have to start w- with just the, the like obligatory chuckle at the fact that Anthem's wife's name was Victoria. I don't know why that's so funny. It's Elliot. just, it, <laughs> well, I can explain the joke to you if you like, but, um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting that Wabo decided to set pale in the same universe as Ward, but you know, like, whatever it's his stories. So he can do with them what he wants. The crossover we needed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, like, the question this brought up to me is, did Anthem pick a girl who had a name like this? Did mm. Is it a coincidence? Did she change her name to Victoria? Like, yeah, oh, that's true. We don't actually know that Vicky isn't short for Victoria. I don't think she's ever called anything but Vicky. Oh, interesting. Um, so Maybe I it's Victory, Ted. But again, like, that can't have been her birth name (laughs) unless unless there's other ted-esque families out there and they were you know matched yeah or you know just the one um sure true (laughs) yeah i don't know anyway so this is just such a nothing comment i just think it's funny that like he ended up with a wife whose name kind of fits the theme and i'm like was that a factor in their initial courtship like yeah, like did Anthem head out into the world looking for somebody whose name would like suit his? Theme? They had to. They had to match the the Ted naming theme. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I really liked uh, <laughs> this little practitioner idiom that Anthem throws out, where he says, "Oh, war! Put your sword to my throat." It's like a just melodramatic way of saying, like I guess, like God forbid, kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's <laughs> just so silly. I, I loved it. It's very fun. Yeah, it's like, you know, uh, I feel like about halfway through the chapter, Verona sort of switched to saying, like, gods and spirits instead of, like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like a very similar vibe, but yeah. the the war practitioner version. Yeah, yeah, it's um, fun, very fun. That's it. Like, it does, it does sort of tie into, like, the other big thing here, which is, like, you're right, that's, like, the first thing Anthem says. He's just like, oh, war, put your sword to my throat. And it's, like, right from the get-go, he's very much, like, defined by this need to fight as a mm. person mm. um like even before shit gets bad and you know we're obviously going to get to like what he thinks of vicky and her strategies for dealing with her illness later on but like 
everything about him right from the get-go is very conflict-oriented. Like, he even thinks of Liberty's cries in terms of, like, how nature has attuned them to get past his defenses. Like, he's not... (laughs) It's not, oh, my daughter needs something. It's, uh, this cry has been designed by nature to make sure I can't ignore it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, he is constantly pushing back against Vicky about letting this just be a holiday. Like, he always needs to be doing, like, fighting, even even back here. Yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of... um <clears throat> Like his desire to keep striving characterizes the grief and anger that he feels at what is about to happen, and like, and and kind of frames his disappointment in Liberty. It, it, yeah, he he just can't chillax, yeah. can he? Yeah, I guess it's just interesting because this is like clearly a, a different, uh, like a younger, less broken down anthem but it's still very much anthem like you can still see these seeds of this is a guy who doesn't know how to turn off and stop fighting like you can see the link from how this young guy became the anthem that you know we know in the story up until this point Mm. um I, i think like the one exception to him constantly fighting is he does relent and pack the blanket away for for vicky like she does eventually sort of get him to give in and stop fighting. <laughs> and well, it, but it still takes a lot, and it's over a blanket. Yeah. Uh, Anthem definitely gets the vibes that their last moments are a fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Because he went and chose a blanket she didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, it's fun to note, like, their connection and the fact that they're a good match for each other obviously has something to do with the personalities meshing well and the fact that they're both stubborn is maybe part of that or, or, or whatever. But it, 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 it is interesting to me that Anthem recognises that their stubbornness has turned their last moments together into a fight but doesn't kind of go the extra step further and think, oh, maybe I should be less stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, the yeah. lesson of this chapter, right? And he doesn't learn it. Yeah, exactly. And I think... I guess the other side of that is what I thought was really interesting is yeah like the until the end of this chapter I think the first time we've ever seen Anthem actually back down is in this moment with Vicky with the blanket and it was this bit of a moment for me it was like oh like you can see how this is still very much Anthem but if 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 we'd had like the last 13 years had been the Anthem with like Vicky by his side he might have come out of it a better person because she was the one you know, whether it's because she was stubborn or whatever, like she could get him to just chill the fuck out with a bit of effort. Um, mm. And it's just like that voice that he actually listened to being beside him for the last 13 years might have been really good for him. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like he, because he, I, I mean, this has been the thing with Anthem for the whole time. He's so close to being good. Like, you know, he, there's so much good in him here. Like he, you know, he, he's trying to take care of Liberty He's playing with America. Like, he's just being a, a pretty decent dad for all of mm. this. Mm. Um, just kind of a bit of a shitty husband. But, like, he, I, I just, I could see the link between how if Vicky had not passed, we could have had an anthem who came out of the other side of this a much better person. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. Who knows? Vicky might have made him worse. <laughs> like, we don't know that much about her. She could have been really horrible. 
I, I mean, I think the 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 strategy she had for like coping with her illness suggests to me that she was sure uh, a dampening force on all his war mage bullshit. Mm, mm. Fair enough. As a counterpoint to that, America had the most time with her, and is more v- in order of villainousness. It's ranked by whoever had the most time with Vicky, with Anthem at the top, America <laughs> yeah. in the middle, and Liberty at the at the bottom. So. I don't know. Yeah, because she, like, made them suppress the most of it. (laughs) Came Um, back with interest. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, But anyway, so uh, Anthem's kind of taking care of the kids. Liberty's not settling down. Anthem goes to help Vicky with the packing. But, yes, she has passed away uh, quietly, suddenly, and quite tragically. I mean, this, this scene is just genuinely heartbreaking i think rereading it the second time was even more gutting than the first like knowing it was coming mm. yeah, yeah. I, I this was crushing mm. yeah um it's pretty rough isn't it um I, I found anthem's narration style here really interesting because like he's someone that c- comes across as very analytical in his narration style but then in this part he's like it's like he's skipping beats, you know what I mean? Like he, he, and it gives this impression. To give an example, he, we get the line, one was bloodshot, he checked airway, and then the next line is, on the third chest compression, he felt ribs break, which is obviously we've missed yeah. like, okay, she's not breathing, start chest compressions, okay, and, you know, we've missed like a few seconds as he's kind of taking his steps, and it's it like feel it helps you really feel the disorientation and panic from the scene, and I think it's quite, it's nice. I quite like it. Yeah, um, I, I think, and I think there's like a bunch of other moments like that too. Like I'm, there's the one where he eventually I think stops the compressions, and then the next line is just Liberty screaming stopped. The light in mm-hmm. the room got unbearably bright as the light cloud cover parted, and he just realizes like hours have passed. Like he, he seems to like sort of skip over, I don't know, like all of all of the non a conflict doesn't feel the right word but like all the stuff that isn't like doing like working like anything that isn't the the work kind of mostly gets skipped yeah um and like you know i think we see later the like uh america is the one who actually points out to him that he's crying like the narration mm. never mentions it he, mm. he comes out and america says you're crying and that's the first we hear of it yeah um, and then like later on he eventually acknowledges that he was crying, but only in the context of it has caused him to become dehydrated. Like it's like now it has become a tactical consideration. <laughs> he he must acknowledge that he cried all his water away. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like he's uh. just even back in this, you know, sort of softer, younger anthem, he, he's still already very deep in like uh, yeah, needing to be on all the time. Mm. And when he's not on, he just kind of isn't focused he's so detached from like the human side of himself already yeah he's um yeah yeah he's an interesting character isn't he he's very uh i like being in his head it's very fun i think people in chat and i saw this comment a bit on the reddit as well is that it's kind of taylor-esque you know um which i i can definitely see for those same reasons yeah it's similar ish yeah for sure um I mean, I definitely, yeah, like you notice as well, he just immediately starts that CPR. Like, as, as you were talking about, he, he jumped into the CPR. No acknowledgement that, you know, emotionally this was devastating to him. And 
this all sort of comes up in a bit where he's sort of thinking about how like he he kind of resents Vicky for dying here like this because she didn't consider the options he laid out and like he lists all the shit he wanted to do like obviously he wanted to take her to talk to those uh, you know supposed weirdos and stuff like who took bits out like he just he kind of resents Vicky not fighting it with everything she could because he can't understand how that's not like giving up and being shit and mm. I guess like you you could just see the link to how that's caused to the current stuff with liberty in America. Like he just he's had to close himself off from understanding why someone wouldn't constantly fight all the time for everything they can. Yeah. He he <laughs> he he's refusing to let you know, I mean he he has to keep fighting as we've talked about and and the fact that uh Vicky won't do that is very uh it's offensive to him and it, it leads to this mix of this blend of anger and grief and this very kind of emotionally complex, you know, situation. And it's, uh, it yeah. works really well. <laughs> Cause it's a really understandable reaction to like your loved ones seemingly not doing everything they can to still be in your life. Like, yeah, Vicky has essentially <laughs> chosen death. Like it's very, it reminds me a lot of like all the shit around like Ray and his son. Mm. Um, it's touching on some of the same points, just like, it, it is Vicky's choice, but you can see why someone like Anthem would be kind of devastated that she's not willing to explore options that would let her be in the rest of his and their daughter's lives. Yes, with with an asterisk, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah. Y- you can understand it. It's, uh, yeah. It's tragic. It's, it's tragic. Yeah. And well, especially, and again, for someone like Anthem, who is just, he's always on. He Like, he... He just literally can't fathom. Like that's the other thing. I think for a normal person, you can be like, I understand why there would be a bit of a resentment. Mm. But yeah, particularly for Anthem, because he he just can't comprehend not fighting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, he he takes it worse than I think the average person would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sorry. It also in Vicky's defense, he he sort of lists out the methods that she wouldn't consider. And one of them was she wouldn't talk to Alania. And I was like, oh, that name sounds familiar. So I, I looked it up. And that's like Alania Grobard, like mm. the the lady who made Shay and all the other dolls. Mm. And it was one of those moments of, okay, well, I mean, Anthem, I don't know that there were going to be any good options from that. Wait, wait, it's like, you know, it's like that old debate between Lucy and Verona, like what options are just not even worth discussing like i feel like going to the Grobards for help is one of those ones where it's like if somebody said i don't want any of the Grobards help i'd be like yeah that's fair can i want to talk about that quote because i'm looking at it now and it says she wouldn't talk to sheila and glenn we don't know what the deal there she wouldn't talk to eliana no shamans no medical doctors is that right is that the right quote should that say witch doctors yes. no i think it, i think it was medical doctors i think because it was like like cancer or something i think right, so, right. I think she'd so she doesn't want past what yeah yeah what you know yeah i, I want to call it conventional medicine but that makes it in, <laughs> like just non-magical all practitioner <laughs> medicine is homeopathic um yeah that's that's the that's the real lesson of this story right um, yeah but um yeah, <clears throat> it, yeah, yeah i don't know it's just, it was just one of those things where it was like yeah some of these, it's like understandable that he's a bit annoyed she wouldn't do stuff like, you know, maybe get more chemo or whatever. But also being like, oh, she wouldn't talk to the Grobards. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm on Vicky's side on that one. I think that that doesn't seem like an avenue that's going to ex- have any good options in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, a- a- Anthem kind of comes back to reality after a few hours, uh, and takes America and Liberty out of the house, kind of giving them a beach day, uh, and calls up his BFF AJ to come and clean the house. It's such a fun look at AJ here <clears throat> from the perspective of like actually one of his mates. Like, mm. I mean, this this has to have presumably been pretty early. Well, I mean, we know it was 13 years ago, I suppose. But yeah. like, it, I, it, the fact that AJ or Abraham doesn't even fight against being called AJ to me suggests this is before the. Um, before his ascension? Yeah, the, the, I was trying yeah. to think of a good word for it. Ascension's perfect. Um, like yeah, like I, and I mean, I was thinking this is the first because even in the modern day, we actually see uh, Anthem think of Massa as AJ a few times. Like this is the first POV where we're seeing someone actually think of him as AJ since AJ's own interlude, basically. Um, like it's just this moment of like, oh, no wonder like Anthem is so loyal to Massa. Like what AJ does for him here is like a huge good bro friend move. And also, we get our look in the present. You can see that Anthem still thinks of him as AJ. He hasn't like fully clued in seemingly to how he's Massa now. He's not AJ. Mm. Yeah. Um, AJ is interesting in this scene, right? Like, he seems so chill. <laughs> he seems yeah, so like, nice. He's genuinely like, you don't owe me anything. Like, this yeah. is like this is horrible. I'm so sorry for you. Like, are you okay? Like he. He's just He's a actually good a human being. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was what made me be like, "Oh, this has to be before the ascension." I just, w- which maybe is unfair on how manipulative Musa can be, but um, I don't know. It just feels like you know these two guys who went to school and are, are just genuinely still friends. Yeah, um, and it it gives color to Anthem's loyalty to AJ in the present as well, of course. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like I can fully understand wanting to back the guy who did this for you and having a bit of a blind spot for how much of a turd basket he is when yeah. he did do stuff like this for you like yeah and again in the present he still thinks of him as aj so like like which feels like a signal that he hasn't moved on from thinking of him as the guy who will clean up the house with your dead wife in it mm. yeah um, um yeah, so I just wanted to call out the the last line of this segment before we cut back to the present is um, when Anthem looks in his own eyes for the first time and he, he thinks, like, with the hurt, there was an anger. Um, that once was clear in the redness, the lines around his eyes and the long stare, that it felt like she'd given up. And I, I love that that last line as a way to end this whole segment just to really make sure, like, it's clear to us that like the link from what has happened here with Vicky to why Anthem is like this with America and Liberty. Yeah. Like he's angry at her because he thinks she gave up and he will just refuse to let Liberty and America do anything but like work their ass off all the time so that they never have to go through anything like this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's a very clear through line. Um, and yeah, I mean like a very fun, uh, <laughs> a very fun interlude character, very fun perspective character. He's uh, he's very fun yeah. to to be in the mind of. Um, we cut back to the present, and Anthem decides to reluctantly engage Lucy in combat. Yeah, and I 
I think we skipped this last week. I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I don't remember talking about it. And I'm really mad if we did because there was a whole segment in our notes last week where we talked about how Lucy was like everything Anthem wanted his daughters to be in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a hundred times truer in this chapter than it was like last week. Like this whole fight is just like... I mean, Anthem loves Lucy in this. Like, he's having a ball fighting her. There's, like, all this stuff, and he's just, like... Like, he he so admires Lucy's, like, drive and, like, skill and versatility. Like, it's everything... He even says later, like, he'd want Lucy to be Liberty's friend if she wasn't so, you know, yeah. anti-muscle. Yeah. Um, but, like, what's so great about that is, like, Lucy hates this. Like... Like, I feel like a huge chunk of Lucy's arc has been her coming or sort of, you know, centered around this idea that, like, she's going to be this great warrior and this warrior for justice. But that's like a result of the world failing and failing her. Like, she she's not doing this fighting because it's a good thing. It's a good way to do stuff. She's doing it because she has to, because otherwise the world crushes her. Like, I just love that it, it, she's such a great foil to like Anthem's whole idea for liberty in America because Lucy is kind of what he'd want them to be. But her whole thing is this is shit. Nobody should have to be like this. Like I do this because I have to. Mm. Um, and like that's really what this whole fight is about. Lucy is fighting him, just trying to get him to realize that like she doesn't want to fight him. <laughs> like she'd love to have any other thing, but he can't. He's like forgotten that other options exist. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very fun. It's a very fun ideological fight. Um, and you're right. I love that Anthem is like, Lucy has kind of earned Anthem's respect through her fighting ability and some of the tricks she has up her sleeve and stuff. Um, but then also, uh, sorry, he do, he does keep getting pissed at her because she keeps trying to just talk or like do yeah. things. Like, like, the, yeah. There's one quote that I really liked where Lucy, sh- she shifts her stance. She aims the trident not for him but for the gun and he thinks he wasn't surprised. She didn't have that kind of killer instinct. And it's like I can see he just wants to be guillemaying her and giving her fighting advice. Yeah. Which is very but fun. Yeah, you know, like, he's got that same, like, Milo Sonjate mentality of, like, it's stupid not to be going for the kill. Mm. Um, like, it's, yeah, like, like, Lucy is so close to being what he wants from his daughters, but the, the big ideological thing is that, yeah, she thinks fighting is a fail state, whereas he sees it as, like, the good natural way to do things. Yeah. And it's like, he, they're, they're so close and yet so far apart, and it just makes it such a, like, great, fight to to read yes i I love this bit where um lucy's like isn't this isn't it not worth the hassle to just go and talk to liberty and anthem says sorry but fighting you is closer to being nothing than it is to changing my mind (laughs) which is just such a fucking burn i love it (laughs) yeah and i mean like where in his head we know he is just kind of very casual throughout this whole fight um like he he doesn't feel threatened whereas you know whenever we're in lucy said she kicks ass in these fights but she's like stressed and worried and like giving her everything in all those fights even though she rules anthem was just sort of like eh, and then i'll do this and i guess i'll go for this and like later on like i think he lets lucy stab him and he thinks this is the first meaningful like thing that i've suffered all night um yeah <laughs> I mean, we should shout out his practice though. Like he, like mm. seeing him fight from his POV was a very fun. Um, 
like his deck of cards. I think we heard about someone using a, a deck of cards like this in the implement extra material back in the day, but like mm. seeing it here, it's just like, I was like, that's such a good way of doing things. Like he can walk around with like an entire arsenal, but yeah, still just be like not weighed down. Like he doesn't have to carry a backpack full of guns. Yeah. He's very, um, he's always ready to go. He's always got a bunch of tricks up his sleeve and, and they're good tricks too. I mean, they get him through a bunch yeah. of fights. Yeah, and like his sight has essentially turned into like like projectile prediction and like area of effect stuff. It's like very like, you know, the, the sort of HUD stuff you get in like uh virtual uh, like Warhammer games and stuff where you like see the effect of every attack. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um we also get some good Scott Martin the Spider Breather stuff and <laughs> yeah. he is delightful and I can't wait for his interlude. I He's so great. I love his interaction with Lucy too. I'd forgotten that like Lucy specifically has an anti-spider thing. Mm. Um, so I loved that moment where like, yeah, Martin or Scott shows up and like does some stuff. And then she's like, why have you done this? And he's like, I like spiders. And Lucy's like, why? Like, yeah. But like she was channeling her in a grimsy <laughs> with that mm-hmm. question. Yeah. It was good stuff. Oh um, yeah. What a, what a guy. I love, I love Scott. <laughs> what a like, champion. <laughs> He's just such a great guy too. I want to see more of him and his weird spiders. Mm, yeah. Um oh I love his um his his sword too, the the like the warden sword. Like I thought it was a really funny way to kind of capture how Anthem works a bit. Like it's designed to encourage him to be a good warden, like, you know, slash dad. Mm, mm. Um but he just does the letter of its law. Like he says, like, it doesn't really matter if I like, you know, I'm doing the spirit of it. I just need to meet, meet the letter of the law. And then also he uses the rest of his power to just scrub out the parts that he doesn't like. Like he, he, he promises mm. to like four things. And then he looks at two of them. And he's like, I don't want to do those. I'll just throw money at it. It's like very much the vibe of like a guy who's had, you know, private shooters uh, and, and like maids raise his kids. Like he, He's their dad, but he he uses power to scrub out the parts of the job he doesn't want to do. Mm. Yeah, he's uh, it's a very good small metaphor for who he is. Yeah. Um, and again, this is another thing I think we may have skipped over from last week's notes that we had in there. Um, but it's worth saying. So he's talking about like Scott Martin, and and, and obviously Sin is here too. They were the two fence sitters. On mm. the, on like in terms of going away with the Garricks, right? So mm. it feels like a thing that Anthem was told to bring them. Like like that feels like Massa used the augers to realize they were the ones on the fence. They were on the fence. Yeah, and, may, maybe. It, it, I wonder if it's just like maybe that's the reason Massa didn't take them originally, but now they're too strong to be left behind. Like they might actually become a liability if they switch sides. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's this thing where it's like, this is, this is the problem with something like Musk's corporation is the real loyal people are less likely to actually get saved here because, you know, they're safe bets. Whereas Sin and Scott being kind of on the fence, it's like, oh, they get more perks. It's like, it's like the loyal employee getting paid less than the, the new poached employee because it's like, oh, you know, we need to give them more money because, you know, their loyalty isn't as given. Mm. Um, like you sort of get punished for being a loyal, uh, yeah, massa servant. I don't know. I don't know what they call themselves. Yeah. Um, 
there's this moment during this fight that you can almost miss if you're not paying attention, but Anthem is choking Lucy out for like a full 30 seconds. Like he's having a few little chit chats in between while he's still choking her out. Like, I hope Jasmine didn't see that. That's pretty <laughs> fucked. I don't think she was there for that, but this is no doubt one of the big things that landed her in hospital after this. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, yeah, Anthem definitely has, he constantly has this vibe. He's like, look, I'm not trying to kill you, but could you just like pass out or stop fighting? Like he, he's not trying to kill her, but he's, he's not holding back from fucking her right up. Mm. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, uh, happy to really mess her up. Um, yeah. Oh, and, uh, sorry to, to, I guess, talk about like Lucy and her side of things. Cause even though this is like an anthem pov fight we talked so much last week about how great like anthem is as this kind of face of like a baddie for like you know a chunk of lucy's arc and i just love this line this one exchange that they have where anthem sort of says you know talking about like what he's doing for his daughters he says this is the cost i open the doors if they don't walk through i'll still be here holding those doors open Mm. and lucy (laughs) responds take it from someone who's pretty much been there I think they'd rather you were with them instead of holding the door like some arsehole. And I just I just love that for summarizing like the small but absolutely massive ideological gap between these two. Like Anthem sees his role as just to open the doors for his daughters, whereas Lucy's like, hey, Ab, what about being a dad though? Mm-hmm. Um, and this feels like her yelling at, you know, people like John who, <laughs> you know, John went off and chose duty above like actually being there for her. Yeah, it it feels very much on on that topic, doesn't it? And yeah, like Anthem does, just doesn't get this, and hopefully gets it by the end of the chapter. But we'll see. Yeah, it's just it, I think it's easy to forget as like we all fall so f- in love with Anthem and like his side of this fight and what it means for his story. I, I almost kept losing track of the fact that like this is just such a good fight for like Lucy's character journey as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Lucy loses this first engagement. So she runs off. Uh, Anthem secures escape for his group by calling in the only backup he can trust, but the escape, unfortunately, does not go perfectly. Yeah, and these simulcrums of, of Anthem are very fun. Um, I love that he's so, like, afraid of driven despair. Like, he's he's creating all of these, all of these like, bits of him that are like these are what make me effective in combat you know i have a blood whilst i i have support for my brothers in arms um i'm also kind of driven by despair and like you know my misery drives me forward but i don't like to look at that one like i acknowledge that it's there but don't look me in the eyes please um (laughs) yeah just pretty much sums up where he's at mentally yeah it's uh yeah there's there's a lot going on with these um, with these <laughs> simulacrums. I, I like that he, as he calls each of them out, he gives a little spiel about them. But uh, Brother in Arms comes out and he says, oh, that one's the one that's nice and cares about camaraderie. And that's it. Like he doesn't say anything <laughs> else about it. And it's funny because that's like the most wholesome one and he just has no commentary on it at all. No, because, like, it, I mean, it's so Anthem. He's just thinking, of, like, these are the aspects of himself that make him a good warrior. And, like, mm-hmm. that's that's as far as he's willing to consciously process what they mean to him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very funny. Um, also, like, a, a second shout-out to Scott Martin here, because I just wanted to say, like, I really... I really saw how how like he he got his reputation for being so powerful and dangerous here 
not just because like he, you know he made some 18 foot spiders spirits and, and all that shit but like it, he clearly has like a site that's really attuned into understanding like what's happening with the spirits which seems like a really powerful way of doing stuff like he he mentions the spirits are like licking their metaphorical lips when verona's about to drop the bridge and like you know he, he sort of understands how lucy's doing some stuff that anthem hasn't picked up on like mm. it's it seems like he's got one of the most useful sites for uh, yeah figuring shit out he's very clearly quite competent and yet the only thing he does is make spiders <laughs> <laughs> and like we keep getting references to how strong scott martin is and yet all he does is make little spiders and i'm kind of well, like i can't wait to see it more yeah, I think to be fair, the the exact thing about how he was being super helpful, that, that was like in terms of being in the spirit world. Yes. Like I think he's he's like, you know, kind of powerful in the real world, but like if you if you're in the spirit world, like he goes up like 10x because yeah. he's interacting directly with the spirits, but um it's just like it, like him the way he describes stuff going on, like he's so in tune with spiritual flows which just seems like the best kind of site to have because everything kind of comes back to spirits at the end of the day so like realizing the spirits think something is up feels like the best way to be able to handle things that are going to come up Mm -hmm. Um, like it's very similar that's kind of how verona's site works like she sees the the underpinnings of how things work so she's always been quite good at like spotting when some things are up with people because she kind of sees spiritual meaty manifestations of what they're built up of Mm. um like it just seems like the best way it seems like the most useful site type to me Mm. yeah yeah it does seem very useful um and i suppose the the member of this quartet that we haven't talked about at all is uh cavender i i can't even remember his first name but mark uh, the shit stooge guy is his Mm -hmm. is his full name like he's just like because we i think we first learned about the cavenders in the eastern interlude where we weren't there like a step a step below the sonjates on the hierarchy and you could really feel that here like cavender doesn't really contribute anything and in fact when he offers anthem's always like oh please don't i don't you probably can't beat her i don't have enough of a read to know whether you can actually fight this 14 year old girl (laughs) yeah yeah, just like bottom tier war majors. This guy's lucky to have gotten a ticket, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, how did he get a ticket to escape? He, he's a real scrub. It's just that war mage bias. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, this is a fun moment where these these four are just kind of hanging out and trying to figure out how to escape. I, I really, this is such a fun interlude. I really loved it. Yeah. It, oh, so good. They get attacked by um a guy who's like an unstoppable, a guy who comes in, he's like, I'm unstoppable motherfuckers, and he's dressed in dumb armor, and then, you know, Anthem pretty quickly Pretty quickly stops, stops him. him, yeah. Was that Stu Mullen? No, nah, no, nah, I had the same thought for a bit, but Stu Mullen is actually unstoppable, so I don't think it would have been him. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes This sense. was just yeah. some pretender pretending to be unstoppable. <laughs> a pretender to the front. No, I, really, I think Stu is not as verbose. Uh. <laughs> um yeah no that makes sense actually yeah it's Stu Mullen doesn't wear external armor his skin is his armor that's yeah he's he's yeah yeah um oh yeah one one other thing from this this segment um anthem sorts through a bunch of spell cards like as well as his deck of you know magical objects he can pull out of these cards he's also just got like a pile of spell cards that he starts dropping and i was like is this 
is that the first person we've seen do that outside of the Kenneteers? Like, I, mm. I thought, uh, I don't think we've seen other people come prepared with like a deck of pre-drawn runes before. Mm. Um, like, because I, I, most practitioners don't have the power base handy to just start dropping runes left, right, and center. Yeah, it seems like the only people that really use spell cards much are Verona, Anthem, and Looseness Eater. But apart from those three, it's not very popular in the practitioner so world. Who? Uh, you should watch. Uh, <laughs> it's an Owl House reference, okay. Elliot. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I just misunderstood you saying a pale character I'd fallen forgotten or not. <laughs> no. um, I mean, effectively, they are a pale character. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because we see the Kenneteers do it or whatever. But I was like, I think Anthem's the first non Kenneteer, and like it really sort of speaks to the strength of the Kenneteers that like Anthem here. So much of the shit he does, it, he fights like a Kenneteer, really. Yeah. Just with more practice. Um, but, like, you can start to see why the Kenneteers are such units, because Anthem is, like, top tier, and and the, the Kenneteers are, like, you know, mini versions of him, almost. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, God. It's just such a fun chapter. Like, the, the structure of this chapter, the fact that the Kenneteers are going all out, and, like, this is just from Lucy like rallying her sense of justice to unite everybody and it works like it's just so good to reread this chapter knowing like they're going all out and it's actually gonna work yeah because it's it is important to remember like this wasn't really like the plan more than half an hour ago they weren't planning on attacking anthem at all they were just gonna let him go yeah last chapter lucy's like can i do something about this and like people at toads are like i mean have a dig like but you know no pressure and yeah, like this is just Lucy kind of willing a victory over Anthem by calling in all of her chips and just refusing to give up. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it works eventually. Yeah, eventually. Um, so yeah, Anthem. Uh, Lucy goes for one v one against Anthem, and he accepts, only to find out it's the old Milo special, and he's fighting against Gilame, but he wins that fight anyway. Uh, so well played anthem <laughs> um i i mean i obviously on the like second read all of this double speak where it's Gilame as lucy as always is a delight um i particularly love the the part where you know Gilame as lucy says to anthem like nothing changes that's the problem isn't it which is just such a it, i mean that's such a good lucy line but it's also just a perfect guillaume line it's so good <laughs> um i love the bit where lucy stands uh, her hands are up and anthem notes she has a duelist's mark on the palm of her right hand the same one she'd had trouble making a fist with earlier just like fun little beat yeah you, you, i think there are lots of clues i uh, you can feel that something's off with the start of this fight but i i didn't expect it to be I thought Gilame was still out of action, so I was like, oh, I wonder what this is, and then it was just Gilame. I was like, God, these fairy keep, like, tricking me by under-playing stuff. I keep I keep expecting, like, ten levels of play by the fairy, and they just trick you by... No, it's the same thing he did before. Mm. He's a winter fairy. Of course, <laughs> he just did the same thing as he did before. Yep, it is. Uh, it's good stuff. Um. um yeah, so I, I know we've already sort of touched a little bit on like how Anthem and well, Anthem's kind of vibing with Lucy. Like he's frustrated with some of her ideology, but overall he he's he's very close to actually really liking her. Um, 
and I think it, like it's just worth going how fun he is in this fight with her. Like he's just, I think as you said before, he's like on the verge of just trying to like Gilamay style teach her lessons, mm. um, and like encouraging her. He like like when she does stuff, he's like, oh, that was really good. Like you know. It's just a fun vibe of like, uh, like when he keeps making her take breaks to like take her healing potions. He's like, this would be the <laughs> the tactical time for you to you know consume your drink. Like he he he's like naturally gravitating towards wanting to coach her, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Anthem's biggest mistake is becoming too close to being a father figure to Lucy, and that's what causes him to lose <laughs> this fight. That was his fatal mistake. Mm-hmm um yeah i i mean i do think it's also not an accident that like their conversations are actually the most productive and friendly in the middle of the fight mm. like you notice how whenever they're not fighting and lucy's like doing other stuff when trying to talk to him it doesn't get through but he's far more approachable and friendly to her when they're in the middle of actually fighting like it's sort of justifying lucy having to do this sort of shit because the only time you can actually get through to this motherfucker is like by speaking his language like you need to talk to him while you're fighting yeah yeah um but yeah so so lucy tag pro, real true lucy trucy tags in uh <laughs> but loses again uh but unfortunately anthem finally after being told a few times realizes that he's winning these individual battles but is losing the war uh more reinforcements have come and all the goblins <laughs> every goblin <laughs> in the world is here to fuck him up this like this is such a good reveal, like the moment where the the arena goes down and there's just the army of goblins. Like it's just so perfect. Uh, like as you said, all the stuff with Anthem realizing what they meant by win the battle, lose the war. Uh, the fact that like his shit behavior, like like it's him being shitty to Liberty in America that has caused these people to turn against him like especially these were goblins who were just fighting each other for america and liberty but they're now united because he managed to piss them both off like and liberty's here too it's just so good i just loved this 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 whole moment with all the goblins it's just perfect Mm. yeah (laughs) it's uh it's very good um the goblins come to his aid they've also got actually i want to talk about this so they say that of the three people that were with him, two of them readily agreed to just kind of get escorted out of town and the third just kind of goes along with it. So does this imply Scott and Sin, who are already on the fence, just kind yeah, of fully 100%. agreed to bail? Is that what we're taking from that? My read was 100% that Scott and Sin were basically offered, oh, you guys can leave. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> like, fucking yeah. Hell and yeah. then Ka- yeah. And then Cavender had the choice of standing there by himself or going with them. So he just went because- yeah. Even he, well, he knows he's not good enough to not get killed. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I thought was fun. So hopefully Scott and Sin have almost fully ditched the uh, the Musser team. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like again, you know, the goblins have come here for liberty in America, and his allies have left him. Like it's just, it's just delightful shade and fraud with like all the dumb shit Anthem's doing, sort of finally catching up mm. with him. Yeah, uh, it, it's this like victory that's just a very Kenneth sort of victory uh over yeah someone like anthem mm. yeah um so yeah a- anthem realizes that it, he's just throwing good spell cards after a bad idea finally and gives up and joins america and liberty in civ- uh, in civility classes 
and the trio finally get a chance to just like have some family bonding time. <laughs> yeah, just like 13 years too late, they sort mm. of finally get their their vacation just the three of them. Um, yeah. I mean this whole scene like like you mentioned before how this whole interlude is just so delightful and this scene is like no exception like the 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 way the Ted's all interact is delightful this poor teacher with like a badly taxidermized cat across her face is like trying to wrangle them uh, it just everything about the concept and the delivery of of this scene of the Ted's all sitting down to do civility classes is just hilarious mm. Like I, I love how America is giving him shit, and also she's wearing glasses that put a, the like image of a naked dude in front of her. Like it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, um, Adam has six months of being here, right? Yeah, which okay, I do have a practical question relating to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, like, is there any sort of syllabus for this civility course? Because I don't understand how a standard three slash seven day course can work for someone who's there for six months like does he just do the course 50 times does he uh, 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 wait how does this work yeah um i think there's some personalization in the syllabus it's hard to say I, i imagine there's like just some inherent variety like i assume the teachers aren't teaching the same exact thing every single time they do it but like Surely if someone's there for six months, you've got to spice it up even more, right? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're hoping that after a week he'll be, he'll be let out on good behavior. <laughs> uh, while Bo, the chat, is saying that after a few repetitions, he might be expected to lead segments, which, fuck, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be fun. Um. But yeah, actually, uh, so the other thing here is when when he does tell America he's got, like, six months here, uh, he says to her, it's okay, I'll just, like, take it 30 days at a time and see how it goes. And it's just such a good callback to how the chapter opens with him saying, like, the plan with Vicky and her illness was to take it 30 days at a time. Mm. And I, I loved this because it, it felt like this was the moment where we're seeing, like, okay, he's sort of resetting back to where he was at the start of the chapter, which is, like, you know the whole thing of him coming to this civility class is he he says he could afford all the goblins but it would have cost him and he's finally made the decision to like chill out rather than fight and it kind of feels like this might be the first time he's made that decision in 13 years Mm. and now he's sitting here and the the thing that's horrifying him throughout this whole segment is that he's going to have to sit here and not be working not be like on the problem and so he's reverted to the last time he ever sort of had to face that idea, which was with Vicky when he was just counting the days. And uh, it, like, yeah, part of me was just like, okay, we've got him back to where he was before the shit hit the fan. Can we now like point him in the right direction? Like, mm. can, can it go better this time? Because last time, you know, if Vicky had made it to 60 days or 100 days or whatever, it might have gone better, but she didn't even make it to 30, and that's what sent him off the cliff. And it's like now... Now, bringing back this number counting is like, okay, we have a second chance with this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's so nice. It's such a heartwarming um, ending, right? Like, it. this is exactly what Lucy was fighting for, and they got it. And it was just so, it's so good. And, and like, you know, Liberty's really carrying it to a degree, too. Like, she's here on a volunteer basis yeah. just to spend time. Like, Liberty is also fighting for 
the good here too. And I think that might be what makes the difference. Like, yeah. Not just that the three of them are sort of here being forced to spend time together, but yeah, that Liberty is consciously making the effort to yeah. like force him to, to sort of do this stuff. And I mean, I, I love the final end for this section. Uh, so the final line for th- this chapter is just him sort of worrying that the quiet will be too much for him and he won't be able to bear it. And then Liberty and America start talking about the problems and he goes, oh, maybe it won't be that quiet. Um and it's just such a great final line to sort of summarize why why you think this can go better this time. Like, because he, I don't think Anthem is ready to just quietly sit and contemplate on stuff. He's he's too used to being always on. But Liberty and America are kind of the perfect people to let him face these ideas without like fully needing to switch off. Like they're going to keep him busy enough that he can sort of ease into it. I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I I look forward to it working. I look forward to Anthem yeah. going back oh. in six months and being reformed. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic that, you know, unless he was right and Massa does come in and storm the gates, uh, he mm. should come out of this better, like with Liberty's help. Like, Liberty is really the thing that makes me think. Yeah, that will make you shot. think it's going to work. Yeah. Because he's got someone actively just focusing on making him see some shit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like again, I think if it was proper, like if he was here without his daughters, I, I would just be less confident because I think it would be too much for him and he'd like collapse under the pressure of having to just sit and contemplate. But like having to also manage his fucking chaotic little gremlin daughters <laughs> will like, you, you know, make it halfway enough that he can actually engage with it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to see. We'll keep track on that over time. Um, but yeah, next next up we're in Wild Abandon eighteen point eight from Avery's perspective. Uh, Avery's on her way back to Thunder Bay, escorted by Soot Sleeves and the and the song car <laughs> thing. Um, uh, but yeah, there's. Just I don't some... remember. Sorry, I don't remember what that thing's called. I just remember it's the other, and the song is the other, not the car. And <laughs> I still don't understand what that means. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 Kelly women are just kind of chit chatting on the drive back to TB. Um. Yeah, and like the the you know Kelly chit chat banter stuff going on here is just extremely fun. Like, um, Sheridan is obviously in like primo shit stirring mode. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like intentionally aggravating Kelsey by bringing up you know sloppy coat room sex uh, by their aunt and <laughs> uncle. Um, yeah, like she's just being a little a little feral. She's she's channeling the America and Liberty. I was just saying would help Anthem. Um, and that actually like made me think like do, do you reckon this is good for Kelsey like to have Sheridan kind of being a shit like this because i could see the argument that you know like i was talking about with anthem it will distract kelsey from all the magically related shit she's stressing about or is it just like more shit on the pile Mm. yeah i don't know i feel like it's good for kelsey i feel like it's just kind of a nice normal i think the normality of this and her getting to be a a mother in a domain that she is more familiar with and more comfortable with is probably good yeah, I I, don't, I I feel like it depends on the person because I could see an argument for like Kelsey being like, I'm already overwhelmed. I don't need to deal with Sheridan talking about my sister having sex. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, like thinking about, I feel like uh, Verona and Lucy used to have this argument a lot, like at the beginning of the story, because like 
Verona's response to stress is to act out and start making jokes about like Bristow turning into food, whereas Lucy gets more serious. So I guess it depends whether we think Kelsey's more of a Verona or a Lucy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think it's good. I think it's good. I hope so. <laughs> the last thing Kelsey needs is more stress. <laughs> she does get her revenge though in a bit. I love the moment where after Sheridan leaves, Kelsey's like, I don't remember Nora being a big girl, though. Was she right that you like big girls? And Avery's just like, no, 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 I'm out. Like, see ya. Like, that is just such delightful, I don't know, parent (laughs) shit. Like, that's the sort of shit I'd love to do if I was a parent, is just make my kids uncomfortable in that exact way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, sweet, sweet, funny stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, okay. Here's here's a question. So, mm, mm. Sheridan proposes a hypothetical world where you all, where everyone has, uh, something. I forget the word she uses, but you know, something incriminating, like emblazoned on their forehead. And Avery asks Sheridan what she would put on her own forehead, like what's her mm. embarrassing, uh, secret. Mm. And like, obviously, that's a great like trademark. Avery, you know, eat your own shit sort of comeback. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like like I think she's been it's been a very consistent thing with her is she's letting like she she confronts people with their own nonsense. But I also think that's just a fun question. Like what what would your, you know, dirty secret on your forehead be? I think that like that is that is a great car conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Would I want to live in a world where everyone had their dirt, dirtiest secret, so to speak? Um lurid details, yeah. Oh yeah, like you know, on their forehead, probably not. But also, like, does it update? Like, if you do something, oh yeah, worse. true, true. <laughs> Wait, like, what's the process for updating it? Is it just like a part of our justice system of like, you know, when you get arrested, they compare your crime to your past <laughs> record, and and if it's worse, you got to get get it tattooed on there. Yeah, and then yeah, like I guess you know, laser tattoo removal. No, no, they just write it small, and then they cross off the previous <laughs> ones, put a line through them. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, I, I was actually like sad that that conversation got cut off because I was like, that's the sort of thing where if somebody brought that topic up in the car, I think I'd like have a great time talking about it. Bit weird to do on a podcast because I think it's going to get weirdly personal, but it's great mm. car ride material. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, um but yeah just sorry just a really fun fun delightful opening to the chapter like you have really good vibes coming into this stop at the petrol station which you know is leading into what happens at this petrol station mm, yeah so yeah at this petrol station avery answers a payphone and is transported to the realm of the local lord a technomancy monster who uh asks some basically doesn't let her pass through without some concessions <sighs> yeah i mean this, I, I guess this is our first look at uh you know charles's new wonderland and um i don't like it i'm just putting it out there i don't think what charles has done here is good mm. that's my that's my hot take as of this chapter yeah um it's pretty horrifying like this is not one of the others that we've heard about uh before obviously but it seems pretty spooky, uh, implying this yeah. is like just like a B or C tier list, but like also is very horrifying. So it's, it's, yeah. it's it doesn't bode well. 
There's no this, chill this like it, out there. Yeah, this, this feels like it's very much meant to be just like an example of what we should typically expect to be in any of these lordships around the region now. Like, mm. um, like it felt like this was Wildbo's sort of, you know, the the example one that we should sort of use to extrapolate roughly what we'd expect everywhere. Mm. Um, and that's horrifying because this guy, I mean, we don't even know this lord's name. He never gives it to us, uh, but we do know that he fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, seems rough. He seems very rough. I the aesthetic is really cool, like the, <laughs> but it's it is bodies, Elliot. You know, I it, that that part less so, but like the 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 rest of the like the the very like Stranger Things style technomancy part, like yeah, everything above ground level where you know the ground is the pile of bodies is really cool. Mm. The pile of bodies is it bad that my main issue with that is it feels like it would be hard to walk. Mm. Like I, yeah, you know. I just don't like uneven surfaces like that. That's that's literally the the, the problem with with this aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, I don't know. I'm I, when we see this I, and the way this scene goes is really just kind of like it really helps to hammer home how fucked this whole situation is. I kind of sorted it into like. Yeah, but Charles has told everyone to keep the Kennedy as fine. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, it's fucking over Musa more than it's fucking over the Kennedy's. But it's not. Like, it, it is no. really just a fucked situation. I had that as well. I felt like a really bad person because, like, we entered this realm and it was really horrifying. But part of me was like, oh, yeah, I mean, this guy's going to be fine. It's not like Avery's in danger. Yeah, exactly. like, it doesn't really affect us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, this is fine. And then, and then he started being like, no, you can't pass through my domain, extorting shit out of Avery. And I was like, Oh wait, hold on. This affects us now. This is bad. Mm. Um, which is like a very fucking practitioner <laughs> outlook of, of like, oh wait, this affects me now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I really liked it for that reason. I think I think like mentally I was prepared for the Kennedys to get a bit of a free pass and mm. seeing that they don't really hammers home just how fucking terrible what Charles has done really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so it's a great it, it's a great comparison to meeting the Thunder Bay Council too. Like that went sort of so well relatively, like with the Lord, and then this Lord just is such a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, but yeah, so the Lord pitches a deal, basically uh deliver Millie is the first thing they they suggest, but eventually gets negotiated down to just make sure Millie uh can't bind the rebind the Bjorgman. Um, which is rough. So we're back. We're back to Bjorkman shit now. Yeah, like it's a, it's it's such a fun delivery of like the Bjorkman comes up and Avery's like, no, it's okay. We've got her. She, you know, we we can put him back. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. Yeah, don't um, put him back. <laughs> the, the, this Lord just wants to curry favor with the Bjorkman, and it's just such a quick way to be like, hey, this Lord's fucked. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this entire segment exists for us to truly understand the depths of shittiness that Charles has unlocked for the region. Mm. And this hits, especially because, as you said, so to be clear, the the Lord says that the Bjorgman is still kind of trapped in the realm of another Lord. So the Bjorgman hasn't really got out yet, isn't like a Lord, but uh, like the other Lords are sucking up to it. Like, like, 
Charles has created a realm where, like, not only, like, because he's created all of these others and kind of, you know, supposedly got little rules in there so they can't get too evil. Yeah. Um, but also they're all the sorts who are like, yeah, let's like power up the Bjorgman and like, you know, so it, it's just that classic scene where like, you know, when you start a violent, bloody revolutionary revolution, all the other, like the worst kinds of people get elevated in that dynamic. And it's leading to, yeah, like the Bjorgman seemingly being revered by an allegiance of various Lords, even though he's still locked up. Mm. Yeah. It, it, Charles has just set up a different and dare I say it worse system where instead of practitioners carrying favor with each other, it's monstrous yep. others carrying favor with each other. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. who could have foreseen that Charles's plan would just result in the same system, but worse and with different people doing it. Mm. If only somebody had been yelling this at him for like <laughs> the whole fucking time. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I guess we get confirmation in defense of this local lord. We get confirmation that these people were just decoration, not actually innocence, hopefully, because the town isn't <laughs> missing a few hundred people. So hopefully it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I guess like there's, you know, uh, yeah, no, you know what? Yeah. If you're going to have a ground littered with dead bodies, I suppose it is better that they're not real people. Yes. Yeah. So that, but I don't know if, like, I still feel like there's a gap from there to it being okay uh, nah it's okay I've, I've, i'll allow it um but yeah so avery makes this deal with this great friendly new other and uh with that makes it back to class only a little bit late yeah and i mean now we swing right back around to like the the feel good happy times we're like it's avery's entrance to this class is fucking delightful where she comes in and She's like, sorry, I'm late. And the lady's like, oh, it's fine. You're on the sports team. We'll cut you like a bit of slack. And everybody's like, oh, I don't want special treatment. And then the teacher's like, okay, detention. And then everybody's just like, oh, I didn't want that either. And yeah. like the rest of the <laughs> class like laughs at this joke she's made. But it's Avery. We're in her head. We know this wasn't a joke she made. She's just a bit of an idiot. Like <laughs> it's just it's it was it's a really funny moment. It was one of those things where it's like you know. Uh, so much of this story has been Avery finding her voice. And, you know, we're going to talk about that a lot when Anne comes up in a bit. But, like, moments like this, I was just like, okay, Avery, it's really good that you found your voice. Now let's, like, think about how you can use it more tactically. Like, sometimes maybe you should shut up. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's It's very silly. It's a silly moment <laughs> for Avery, and I think that's quite fun. Well, yeah, how did she not, like, what it's like a real like i don't know what i expected moment from her of just like, and, uh, yeah just the fact that she out loud said oh no i don't want that either like <laughs> what is she thinking mm. or i suppose she's not is the point um, mm. it's so good um but yeah, like, i mean speaking of like potentially avery needing to learn when to not talk uh, she sits next to janine here and things are like seemingly pretty good with janine Mm. still i'm like, i'm so curious to see where where the thread with janine goes yeah i don't know like janine is kind of friendly but still kind of a bit prickly right around nora um yeah yeah uh, having said that the, the team dynamic here is quite nice like 
every here has this dynamic with all the other people in class, which is nice and untainted yeah. by all the magic shenanigans that would, were happening in Kennet. To so you know, obviously she's close with Lucy and Verona, but that was like that almost seems like it's turned into somewhat a business relationship in a kind of lame way. Yeah, but it's like like. Uh, we see it spreading too. Like Nora has been invited to be the drummer for a like band that the other sports girls are starting up. Like this is like mm. Avery's just got so much good vibes that she's also like it's spreading. Um, mm. And so that's where like that's where it's going to continue to be interesting to see how Janine fits in. Because if I mean, as you touched on, it feels like Janine's big issue is going to be like Nora specifically because Avery kind of chose Nora over her. Um, mm. And as Nora becomes more integrated into the like the team socially, you, presumably that has more chance to kind of flare up and become a thing. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I guess like just just sort of like thinking about it at like a higher level, I, I feel like we called out when Janine and Nora were first introduced to that. It sort of felt like they mapped to the deer and the wolf sides of Avery, um, and obviously like Avery has chosen pretty. Comp- concretely that she wanted to engage more with the the person who represented the deer side of her and like foster that relationship more so than the wolf still but like a part of that has been avery has been like helping nora come out of her shell a bit so Mm. like does her relationship with like janine and like the wolf side of herself take the form of her like helping janine to you know be less of a self-destructive like assholes at times um I don't know. I guess we'll see. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after class, Avery gets some time to catch up with her GF before Anne ruins it by pinging, pestering, and annoying. Um, uh, yeah. And this is such a nice moment. And it's a moment that <laughs> it's a moment that Avery needed so badly, which is why it it is especially frustrating, right? Like this is Avery refreshing herself and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we know how badly she needs this. Like this is, she's been looking so forward to this since she left, uh, for Kenneth. Like Mm. we know that, yeah, like she just really needs some self recharge time and she finally gets it. And then Anne is pestering her with what Anne Fully from the get-go admits is not an emergency. Mm. Like it's I think that's what like is really sort of blood boiling about Anne is like Avery texts her, is this an emergency? And Anne isn't even willing to pretend that it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's wild how little Anne sees this as a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to talk about that at length when Avery confronts her. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Let's talk about that. So Avery goes to visit Anne and absolutely rips into her for how much of a shit heel she is. Avery is very righteously mad here. Um, (laughs) I don't understand Anne at all. I don't get it. What is this? Why did she do this? Just Just to stir shit? I, I love how it just, this segment opens and just is like very clear to you. Like the text is very much saying Avery is really pissed right now. Like I think the first line is Avery followed the very established connection. <laughs> like you could just, you could read f- right from the start. Like Avery is here to yell at Anne. 
Mm. Um, and I love how she doesn't even hold off when Mr. Wint and uh, Tiny Anne uh, are in the room too. Like Avery comes in, introduces herself, and is sort of like, yeah, I guess I'm kind of like her intern. Also, stop calling me, you fucktard. Like, it's just, I can't imagine having the courage as a 14-year-old to come in and yell at a like, grown woman in front of her family. Yeah. What a hero. It, it is pretty funny. Um, I love that <laughs> Avery keeps bringing it back to how Anne is doing something that even children learn, yeah. <laughs> like, not to do. And it's hilarious. It's so good. And it's so, it's so, like, Avery's being so righteously kind of condescending to Anne about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so delightful. I I love how, I think the thing that really gets to you, though, is Anne is just so unapologetically, like, uh, not backing up her own side. Like, as you said, Avery comes in and she's like, hey, I've read Essentials, the shit that you sort of read to your nine-year-old daughter. And it says not to do this. Yeah. And is like, yeah, I know it says that in Essentials. I've been preparing it for my daughter. And yeah. then just like o- almost stares back at you, like blatantly saying, and I'm going to refuse to openly connect the dot of that meaning that I shouldn't have done this shit. And, and like that she'll move on to like, yes, well, you know, it's the prerogative of somebody who's the acting lord to abuse power like that if they so choose. And it's like, oh, so are you the acting lord? Well, not officially, but, you know, like I could be sort of maybe. Like, it's just, it feels like she's not even really trying to be in the right. She's just decided that she's kind of in power now and she's just really pissy at anybody who isn't respecting it. Mm. Yeah. Respecting this power she's given to herself unelected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't even know what the big deal was. Like, Anne really just kind of wanted an update from Avery, even though. Avery already sent emails and stuff. Like it's so nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's just it feels like Anne is super insecure and and just like is just desperate to flex any power she thinks she has over people. Mm-hmm. Like that that has to sort of be and, and like I get that this actually kind of ties into her practice. Like she she mentions that as well. And like that's almost the weirdest thing about it is it, it sounds like she actually is really good at a really powerful form of practice that she essentially invented herself like mm. through a certain lens she is an incredibly powerful and like capable person mm. but she just undermines it with this like pe- bringing this petty coup and claim bullshit into every conversation yeah it's uh very silly <laughs> um i also love this like uh Avery is so dismissive of Anne's learned incompetence around technology, like, um, and and yeah, that really good. gets under Anne's skin so much. It's it's so good. Well, yeah, because Avery changes her narrative from like, oh, I just choose not to do that, with like, um, an idiot can do it, and you're an idiot. Like, it's useful, so you're an idiot if you don't. Like, she. Mm refuses to let Anne have the narrative of just like oh i'm you know i don't need that i people will accommodate me around it mm. um yeah i don't because I, I deal with this a lot at work like we're constantly trying to get non-technical people to use like vr experiences and just like it's become like a pet peeve of mine is dealing with anyone who's over the age of like 35 and just sort of treats technology as like oh you know i, I don't really do that mm. just yeah 
So I was really glad that Avery fucking stuck it to her when she was started talking like that. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> um, also, so we don't we learn that like you know she who drowns in moonlight has has gone off to reach out and get help or something. <laughs> where? Wait, wait, what? Where? What? Who? When? Why? Could Thunder Bay possibly be reaching out to for any kind of help? Mm. Charles? <laughs> no, I have no idea. I, it doesn't make. I. I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like this just feels like a fun, you know, like little beat that's being set up to get delivered on later. Like I, I Thunder Bay wouldn't be gone unless it was somebody important worth talking to, and I can't possibly think who it could be. Mm. So I'm very excited to see who Thunder Bay comes back with. I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's. I yeah, Maybe I don't it's know. Florin. I don't know. I doubt it would be Florin. <laughs> it would be funny though. Mm. Yeah. Um. So what's this, Elliot? What's this severance joke that we're all looking forward to? Oh shit! I didn't get back and write that. Okay, well, so the next part is we start speculating about the goat, like Frankie, Frankie the goat. And, yeah. And so, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm right at the end of Severance right now, and I, I'm still dealing with the goat mystery in that show, so I was going to make a clever joke about how there's mysterious goats in both these things, but I, I forgot to do it. So it just think of it yourself and then everybody chuckle at how good the, the joke was. Ha, ha, ha. Back home, uh, every has... No, wait, sorry, uh, sorry uh, for real though, talk, talk about the goat. Right. Do, right. Do, do you have any speculation about what is up with Frankie? Like, because this is being set up to be like a thing that's going to be explored is what the deal is with Frankie and/or her goat. What what yeah. and Charles stack them up with? What do you what do you guess? Um. So here's here's I don't have a guess, but I know what it actually is. Um. <laughs> okay, well, that's good too. Do you want to do you want to have a guess first before I reveal what it, the answer is? Um. No. Okay, well, I'll tell you then. The The answer is that Frankie, sorry, not Frankie, the goat has had a- Frank, cur- Frankie's monster, I think is what it's <laughs> Frankie's monster, yeah. The goat has had a curse placed on it that anybody who touches it, their consciousness swaps with it. You know what I mean? Um, so sure. Kind of like- So um, Anne touched it already. Kind of like a, a, that character from Legion. You know the one I'm talking about. I do. I forget their name as well. Um, but so- Frankie touched it, and the Frankie that we think is Frankie is actually the consciousness of the goat, and Frankie's consciousness is inside the goat now. So the trap is something to do with that (laughs) and getting your consciousness put into a goat. So, yeah, that's it. I like that because they specifically called out that they didn't have the tools to, like, pull the spirit of the goat out, which means that they have no way of knowing that they would have pulled it out and it would have just been Frankie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when they Alcazar inside it, there's going to be a trapped Frankie inside being like, oh my God, I'm stuck in this goat. <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't, I, I feel like this is this is something people should pale predictor uh, like at us. Like oh yeah, goat, what's the deal? Goat theories. I feel yeah. like because it's probably going to get answered fairly soon based on the fact they're already prepping to Alcazar in. So, mm. you know. Uh, time pressures on to to get in your hot goat takes. Yeah. Um. So stay tuned. The answer will be revealed. <laughs> I guess. So yeah, Avery heads back home and has a brief moment with her mum, uh, where she finds out Lucy's in the hospital, but mostly fine. And her mum's just kind of like, 
what are we going to do? And Avery's like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> basically. Her, her mom does that thing where it's like, Avery, oh, so yeah, Lucy's in hospital, like blah, blah, blah. And Avery's like, oh, cool, she won. <laughs> and like, yeah, and oh, she's like, still so alive, what is, cool. Yeah, what, is, what does that mean losing is like? And Avery's just sort of like cricket noises. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting end to the chapter because like uh, this chapter sort of was wildly swinging between like, you know, really, really big highs and really big lows. Like it went from the delightful car trip to, you know, the Lord in, in the technomancy realm back to like class and the, the mini date with Nora, but right mm. back down to the thing with Anne. And then it sort of ends on this, like, I guess like seemingly ominous note that, uh, Avery's doing fine on that wild ride, but Kelsey is not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, sorry. I mean, I suppose the other side of that is, um, we we talked a lot in uh like in the first half of this arc connor was kind of kelsey's rock through a lot of this like connor was carrying kelsey through this shit yeah but they've they've like split up again now right like yep. connor has stayed in thunder bay and so now kelsey's kind of on her own and yeah when avery was in thunder bay before her mom was kind of the thing she kept shunting as like the last responsibility but i don't think she can afford to do that anymore so like yeah I suppose now, you know, she can tell her mum more stuff, so it might be easier to integrate her. But, like, yeah, I think Avery's going to have to step up and be, uh, like, an emotional support for her mum more than she has been in the past, and that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Kelsey. Uh, it's, it's such an interesting moment to end on, like, a foreboding, rift-forming kind of moment. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of glum. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, this feels like almost arc 14 all over again where like Avery's come back to Thunder Bay and there's just like 20 things I'm looking at being like god, where are all these threads going to go? Like and then you know supposedly Massa might come back to Canada at some wait, can Avery afford to stay in Thunder Bay for a month? I don't yeah. Mm. We're kind of back to me not knowing exactly where this story is is going in terms of like when shit's about to hit the fan and I love it. Mm. Yeah. I think ha- Halloween is still right around the corner too. Yeah, like foreign foreign's obviously gone, but like other people are now prepping for their Halloween Maybe party. That's the the trap with the goat is that it's going to have like a really cool Halloween costume or something, and it's going to put everyone to shame. It'll it'll win. That's actually uh, in the bylaws for Thunder Bay. If you have the best Halloween costume, then you get to become the Lord. Mm. Mm, interesting. I can see that. Um. But anywho, <laughs> that's the end of our <laughs> chapters for today, uh, but not the end of our episode because we have some predictions to pull out, predictions left by the community in our Pale Predictor form, which you can find linked in the show notes down below. Um, yeah. I'm going to oh. pull out my prediction first, Elliot, which I quite liked. Okay. Quite a simple one from Kipos, uh, which is that Avery will forswear Massa. Uh, Lucy was responsible for Alexander's death. Verona was responsible for the... F- for the death slash downfall, I guess. Uh, undeath. Yeah, of Bristow. <laughs> and so the third beat of Avery get, getting rid of a BHI headmaster will be Avery for swearing Massa. Um, yeah, I like it. Very uh, short to the point, just a kind of <laughs> nice one, you know? I like it. Yeah, I um, I, I actually, as an addendum to yours, I want to call out a prediction we got last week from Zach Defense, mm. which was similar, but... <laughs> pitched an alternative in the instead of for swearing Musa, 
Snowdrop will be the one to defeat Masa because their <laughs> argument was uh, John was oh, the one yeah. who really got Alexander. Verona kind of used the brownies to get rid of Bristow. Mm. So then Avery will use the other that's connected to her, which is Snowdrop, mm. which is just such a buck wild prediction that, uh, you know, if there's any truth to it, uh, Zach defense is in for a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but for my actual prediction, uh, I've pulled out uh, one by lapsed classicist who is getting in early on the uh, the goat prediction uh, discourse that, that we mm. did. Um, All right. So uh, basically, Laps Classicist brings up that Maristica mentioned she'd hidden a curse in the Carmine Furs, and since John and the Kenneteers didn't try to wear them, the curse had gone unused, and so she was like, oh, I'll, I'll repurpose it for something else. And uh, so the thinking is that, uh, well, Laps Classicist is proposing that she's put that curse in Frankie's goat. Interesting. And so basically it's going to get set off uh, when they Alcazar in. Mm, very interesting. What? Yeah. Okay. I like it. Let's see. I don't know if we know any details on what the curse was. I think we just know that it was for somebody who would like wear them. So yeah, I, I kind of like this because you just wouldn't expect that sort of thing to be in a goat because you don't wear live goats. Mm-hmm. Um, but like an Alcazar is about the one way you you would, and it just feels like a bit of a delightfully Marisicary ploy to be like, oh, they might try to Alcazar this thing to figure out what's wrong with it, but that's what's wrong with it. Mm, yeah, and th- they'll figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, cool predictions. If you want to, uh, if you want to leave your own predictions, you can do so by going to the link in the show notes below. Uh, for the Pearl Predictor form. Uh, remember, also, we have a discussion question going on at the moment, which we'll get to the answers for next week, which is, which of the three Kennets would you choose to live in? Which is the one you'd spend the least time in? And, you know, tell us why. Yeah, yeah, basically rank, rank the Kennets. And I think in terms of living in, I, I very much, like, I'm curious what people interpret that as. Like, I very much picture which one do you choose to live in in terms of, like, just, which one would you own or rent in and like which one would you like sleep in mm. but that doesn't mean you can't like commute to a different kennet to work yeah 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 or, or whatever yeah um like i think that's interesting is like how how would you divide up your life like is do you, you know is your house in kennet found but you go to work in kennet below and what what sort of job are you getting in kennet below mm. um yeah 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 i look forward to getting into some of those uh next week so yeah remember to leave those in the discussion thread which we linked in the show notes down below uh yep don't forget to check out our twitter feed uh at pale reflect cast we post memes there and sometimes <laughs> other stuff yeah but mostly memes every single day so go check them out that's actually true again now it's always been true i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, if you want more from the Doof Media Network you can go to doofmedia.com and check out all the other great shows on the network uh, there are a ton of them and they're all wonderful so head there for more information uh, yes don't forget about the Patreon too patreon.com forward slash doofmedia uh, I think we mentioned it last week but it's worth saying again there is a special pate themed episode on mm-hmm. that Patreon that we did with uh, Jenny and Malia that was an absolute delight yeah, and that was very of Jenny fun. And Malia, 
that's a that's a great show to check out on doofmedia.com is uh pale in comparison mm. yeah um while you're on patreon of course make sure to check out wildbo's patreon you can give him some money to support his uh these creative works that we all love i hear he's also accepting uh pieces of melee legendre this week as a special bonus way that you can support him either of those two will work um but yeah head to patreon.com slash wildbo for that and with that we'll see you next week for more wild abandon i'd assume mm-hmm. bye bye